Good morning, everyone. We are on and we are, are you there, God? It's Kira and Phil. That's us. And, and I'm Kira. And Hi, you're Kira. Phil. I am. Hey, Kira, where do you live and work? I live and work in Nashville, Tennessee, and I uh, at St. Anne's Episcopal Church in nice. East Nashville. In East Nashville. East Nashville. Is East Nashville like uh, cool ass hipster, hipster Nashville? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it's I'm, like I'm, I I tell people it's like the Brooklyn of Nashville, and that's exactly. I mean, then yes, then the thing I just yeah. said, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's yeah, it's obviously not the same people that are in Brooklyn because they're in Brooklyn, but it's like right. the right, that's I the vibe. I mean, and with all the good and bad, the kind of like artsy hipster, and also the gentrification yes. and the yes, 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 yes. pushing of out of people that used to be able to afford to live here so good riddance. Good, riddance. good stuff <laughs> you know i'm kidding people um and where are you phil oh hi i'm philip duvall and i'm in uh the queen city of the midwest cincinnati ohio the crown jewel of the buckeye state and i am uh, a rector of a church here called uh redeemer in a little neighborhood called hyde park and um i don't know much i haven't figured out what hyde park is comparable to I was going to say, what is, what is Hyde Park? What is, so, so uh, Hyde Park is a, Hyde Park initially is a neighborhood in London. That's pretty fancy. And so mm. there is a history of when, when cities, when biggish cities were being built in the new America, uh, uh, that they were, there were people who would create intentionally posh neighborhoods and call them Hyde Park. So there's a Hyde Park in New York. There's yeah. New York City. There's a Hyde Park in Cincinnati. There's a Hyde Park in Chicago. Yes. Um, and so Hyde Park was the traditional posh uh, neighborhood. Um, there are definitely now much like more expensive places to live in Cincinnati than Hyde Park, but it has that sort of old money feel to it. But that's the roots. Um, the roots are in that. Oh, kind yeah. Of, oh, yeah. 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 I try to be, I try to like act like a man of the people, but. I live in Hyde Park, of course. So, uh, but it is funny. I can't figure out like what you'd compare it to. Yeah, exactly. But but there's a it, there's a city, there's a town in Greater Cincinnati, like 15 minutes north, called Blue Ash, like at, named after the tree, right? Blue Ash. Mm -hmm. And Krista, my wife and I, we just were like oh, this is like the Irvine of Cincinnati. No, there's only like 10 people in the world who get that joke. But there's a <laughs> there's a city in Orange County called Irvine. Mm -hmm. And when you and the way that Irvine functions in Orange County, Blue Ash functions in almost an identical way in Cincinnati. And there's so for us, I'm like, oh, this is just like Irvine. But I tell that out loud and like literally 99.9% .9 of the people in the world are like, that means nothing to me. <laughs> oh, someone's saying the audio has gone. Oh, that's not good. Leslie, can you hear us? Leslie, can you hear us? Michael says no audio. No more audio. There was audio. And now there is not. Oh, Leslie's oh, okay. working for her. Okay. Michael, I believe it's on your end then, my friend. Not sure what the deal is. Um, but we want to say good morning to Ooh. Leslie. Okay. So now we have two people who can't hear us. Uh, yes, of course. Michael, Michael Myron Bass Vandentilar. Do you know these folks? Because they want to ask you a question. I don't know if I do. Betsy, can you hear us? Apparently we're having technical difficulties. So 
if you're not, if you're hearing us and seeing us just fine, just hold on a second. We're gonna work it out. Okay, great. All right. Someone's gonna ask Kira a question. <laughs> well, let uh, while that question is um, formulating, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray. You right, know, I think this off. is a good thing. Um, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have given your only son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example for godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of his redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Anything you want to say about this collect without us talking about it for a half hour like we did last time? <laughs> Um, I will say I was noticing this morning how it uh, it speaks to both like Jesus redeeming work on the cross and also Jesus redeeming work in the way that Jesus lived. Yeah. And I find that very good. <laughs> um, I find it very like balanced and um, I, I really like that. I like that a lot. Um, so I think uh, you know, those are good. Those are good things. I like that. There's this word that when I was taking Greek, there's this word, I, I'm going to get it wrong, but I think it's peripateo where the word can either mean walk or live mm. like that. Those two ideas could be the same word. And so when you have this language of walking in Jesus way, um, so we've got, uh, trolls. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> So we're going to go ahead and hey, take we're popular that. enough that we have trolls. That's pretty exciting, actually. Uh, hold on. That was fun. Hold on. And they're gone. That was kind of amazing. Hey, I mean, I'm, I wasn't I'm, a, I'm a little that. excited. <laughs> they said you were blah, blah, blah. That, that's how I knew they were trolls, because no one who knew you would actually say that. They've never heard you talk. That's how we know. Yeah, well, they asked if you thought Belgium was a hoax, so. Yeah, I don't know, that was a whole thing. Like, like the country is a hoax? <laughs> so can they, so if I block them, I'm blocking them from chatting, but can they still watch? I don't know. If you're still watching, hi, Belgium is real and Kira is amazing, I guess. So anyways, uh, I back back to the back to the collect. Um, that's the first time we've ever blocked anyone, by the way. That was like kind of fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm mad with power now. I'm drunk with power and Diet Coke. Well, I think maybe other people can still see them, but you can't see them. Oh, can you see them? Well, I just blocked them too. Oh, so how do I remove them? Can I remove people? We're we can learning report new technology. them. Ah. I have so many questions. I have so many questions about all this. All right, we'll keep talking. And if they, uh, all right. Well, Leslie can see them and we may have to block more. Um, I don't yeah, know, I, just I wasn't reported, prepared for this. I just reported them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I thought that since I could, since I'm running this thing that if I, if I blocked them, they'd just be blocked, but apparently not. Oh, well, sorry, folks. We're still working on this. 
well, that, you know, basically just fits in with this week for me. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your week while I work on these, while I work on this a little deeper. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, things here in Tennessee with COVID are not going great. Oh yeah. Um, Likewise. Uh, I, I was hopeful last week, our, um, school board, you know, passed a mask mandate and everybody started back to school and that seemed like it was at least going okay. And then our governor yesterday decided that, um, he was, he was going to override all of those school board mandates. Oh, wow. Um, so who knows kind of what's going to happen. Um, and yeah, so I think, I mean, I've noticed a lot, um, and with good reason, you know, folks are kind of switching back to like not coming to church and instead joining us on the live stream. Um, totally understandable. Uh, and it's just, it's made it pretty hard to kind of plan for the fall, especially stuff related to kiddos or gathering in big groups right uh things like that so um all of that good stuff well i'm trying to remove these folks but i'm end up removing their their comments mm -hmm. i'm having trouble doing more than that so oh wait hold on hold on hold on I think I got it. Oh. Okay, I think I got it. Wow, so weird. I mean, what a um like how bored do you have to be? <laughs> bored <laughs> I'm still learning what I can do here with them I've hidden I've put them in timeout but apparently that only lasts for 300 seconds oh what Not very long <laughs> that isn't very long I need, I need more I need more timeout than that so anyways um we're gonna talk about vaccinations today we are right because they're important. Well, they are. First of all, they are. If it sounded like I was going to say they weren't, uh, they <laughs> certainly are. Um, but like, well, oh, oh, this is taking time. Thanks, Betsy. Yeah. Sorry. Good morning, Betsy. Good morning, Leslie. Thank you for sticking with us and uh, helping us fight the trolls. You guys are real heroes. I, I think if I... What means if I hide user on this channel, would that do it? I don't know. Anyway, the current thing I'm like sort of stressing about is that um, I've got tickets for the Ryman at the end of next week. Yeah. And um, they don't have like a mask requirement or anything. Like masks are strongly encouraged. That doesn't mean anything. I know. <laughs> And some of the other local venues have really kind of come together and said, like, we're going to require 
proof of a COVID vaccine or a negative test within 72 hours um, to kind of like help people be comfortable going to shows and stuff. And the Ryman has not done anything. Huh. So depending on where we're at at the end of this week, um, you know, I may ha have to sell those tickets. What show is it? Uh, Ashley McBride. Oh. Yeah. I mean, when I bought the tickets, I was like, everything's looking great. <laughs> right. Um, I have tickets for um, St. Vincent in September at a new theater here in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And same thing. When I bought the tickets, I was like, September. Like, what could go wrong? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and uh, so now I'm not sure. There are artists, individual artists that are requiring proof of vaccination they're not going to require masks but they're doing oh. the proof of vaccination um you know they're like or negative a proof of negative test which to me means almost nothing but um i don't know we'll see yeah. i've got my vaccination proof i've got not only the physical card but i have it on my phone like i have an app the armor vax app like you can just look at it that way oh cool uh, okay so uh those folks i think are permanently hidden from this conversation. So even if they're here, I think they're out. Like okay. they can watch us, and but they can't comment in any way, shape or form, I think. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Leslie says, I'm kind of surprised it took this long to get trolls in the comments on the internet, but I'm also glad it did. Yeah, we had a nice little thing going for a while. <laughs> so what does it mean for us that we had people that we don't know that were trolling us? I don't know, it's just a... Uh... Um, Does it mean that we're like, we've reached a new level of non-fame or like, uh, should we be impressed with ourselves? I don't know. Yeah, just people like asking, I don't know, people that don't have anything to do, just kind of finding random things that are live on YouTube or. The, but that's the kind of people I want to get involved. It's just too bad that they're there just to screw around and not actually be part of the conversation. Right. Yeah. That's who says they just might learn something. I know. I know. All right. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about vaccinations um we're going to talk about so but where do we even start in this climate i mean you and i are both both clearly pro-vaccination but I, but like what like what do we even i guess what, what, when you first brought this up like wanting to talk about this where was your heart at or where was your head at what were you thinking about yeah i mean i was thinking about um kind of what is our what is our communal duty and then kind of what is our duty to ourselves and um i had been uh listening and reading to um a number of things that talked to people who had not been vaccinated for covid and it really ran the gamut of like people who were pretty staunchly anti any vaccinations and then people who were like had gotten you know all of their shots as kids but like yeah. were just kind of wary about this one yeah. um but as, as somebody who you know like like you as a priest i'm in i'm in contact with a lot of different people um as yeah. part of my job and i do some work with hospitals i'm in and out of hospitals i'm in and out of nursing homes um yeah. in and out of like those kind of facilities like i always get my flu shot every year yeah um even though it sucks and i don't <laughs> I don't like getting shots. I don't like needles, you know, um, but it's something that I do not only to protect myself, but to protect other people that I might come into contact with. 
Um, so it was interesting to hear that like for most of the people who had not gotten their COVID vaccine, but were like, just kind of like waiting, they are also not people who regularly got flu right. shots. And I'm really curious if there's some kind of, um, if there's a correlation between those, those two kinds of people. Uh, but, like, and, you know, there are some folks that I've heard from that are kind of like, well, you know, I was going to get it, but then cases started going down and it didn't really feel like it was that pressing. Um, and some of them have like gone ahead and, you know, gotten it now. Right. That's uh, cool. So like, you didn't have to be like the earliest of early adopters, but I think at this point, like you can walk into a Walgreens or right, Rover right. or wherever right. and get a shot. And there's too much, there's too much shaming going on from people like us, like, because we're so pro doing it. There are people in our camp that are like, why haven't you done it yet? And it's like, look, no offense, but human psychology 101, that's not going to get it done. (laughs) You know, so we have to figure out how to be less uh, judgmental, frankly, and, and, and more just generous with our hearts about where people are with this thing. People just automatically assume Oh, you know, including myself sometimes like, oh, it's these people that aren't getting it and they don't care about people and da 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 da. Like my mind goes to really kind of dark places. And what I realize is I have that happens out of fear mm-hmm. and that happens out of ty- being tired and, and angry. So yeah. like when you're tired and angry, you don't know where to put it. Right. So you you're like, who can I blame? And so there's, you know, so like there's all sorts of folks that, you know, there's there is, you know. There's a major level of mistrust um, with f- for doctors. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is there's this whole thing where you look at the numbers of like, um, of uh, 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 senior citizens. Are they, do we, are you still allowed to call old people senior citizens? <laughs> Elderly people above 65. Yeah, ancient, ancient, ancient uh, people. Uh, from, from, the days, from the days of yore with cobwebs in their eyes are we allowed to call them social so are we allowed to say are we allowed to say uh um no i should i gotta be nicer i love everybody knows i love old people that's part of my deal um uh but uh you look at the numbers of people who are above the age of 65 right and um and uh, the vaccination rates are really really high mm-hmm. now there's a lot of reasons that could be but one of the reasons it could be is that um, by the time you are uh, that age and older, you're actually involved generally, you have a lot of interaction with physicians and you have a like, you start to learn how to navigate the medical system in a different way. Cause you have to, cause you have to in ways that I don't have to. And it seems like people who are more involved in like being involved with hospitals on a regular basis might have a different relationship with the medical system and might have a different level of trust with those things, maybe. And so like, right, because because one of the things that I I read recently was like, maybe if we didn't have a system where going to a doctor was so incredibly prohibitively expensive and you had to prove why you needed to go and you had to have this kind of insurance or else it cost you this, like that, I'm a person with really good insurance. I still don't go to the doctor unless I have to. Yeah, I'm overdue on my physical and I'm like, ah, I don't want to go. Yeah, I mean, I remember trying to get the first time I had moved to Nashville and I was trying to get an appointment with a primary care physician and they're like, well, we can fit you in in right. eight months. How does that work for you? And I was like, oh, um, it doesn't work for me. 
Right. By the so so like because we don't have a familiar. I mean, I I don't my I don't think my doctor my general practitioner has any idea who I am. I mean, we've we've now I've seen her four times in my life, maybe five. Mm-hmm. But I don't. If I saw if I ran into her at Kroger, she wouldn't recognize me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's a problem, right? Right. Because then I don't, I don't have a relationship of trust built up. I, uh, uh, um, um, Malcolm Gladwell does this, one of his, one of his, I think it's on his podcast, Revisionist History. He does this whole study about how um, malpractice, it might be, actually might be, or it's either that or it's in his book, Blink. Um, um, mal- malpractice suits, have the, their correlation to whether or not the person actually like practice medicine poorly and had bad results or whatever, that correlation is much lower than just if their person liked their doctor. If, yeah, if a I person think likes their doctor and the doctor makes a mistake, they would never think of suing their doctor. Mm-hmm. If they don't like and trust their doctor and something goes wrong, they are more apt to blame the doctor, even if it's a thing that, that could not have been controlled. Yeah. Right. So what do we end up talking about here? We're talking about how we respond when it's something serious, our bodies, our lives, in relationship to our doctors, what kind of what kind of relationships of trust are being built? Mm-hmm. So there's no relationship of trust being built generally between the medical community and the average citizen in, in the United States. Our system does not uh, promote an ongoing sense of like you are a participant. You're a, you're my partner. I don't see my physician as my partner in my health journey. I just said health journey, so I should be I should be banned from YouTube. <laughs> but like. Like, I don't have a relationship of trust. I trust her by, I trust her because I'm old school. And mm-hmm. if my doctor is wearing a white coat and says doctor and they're, <laughs> and they're part of this firm, then I'm like, I believe, like I asked a physician that I trust, where should I go see a doctor? And he said, go to this place. So I went to that place and picked whatever GP they had. That, so I'm basing it, but I'm even that I'm basing it on a relationship with someone else, but I'm not cultivating a relationship of trust with my general practitioner which means if my general practitioner recommends something to me, the only thing I have going for me is trust in the system right. that they would not put her in that position if she didn't have the authority and wherewithal and experience to say the thing she's saying. But what we're seeing right now is an absolute erosion of what we've already seen is the result of an absolute erosion of trust of the authorities and of the system that we're part of which we're a part, right? Yeah, so, I mean, like similarly, like I go to the doctor once a year for my physical, like, and That's my only, point. only because I have been here for 13 years and I have seen her every year for 13 years, do I have any kind of relationship with her? And also because she is a doctor at Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt is an institution that I yeah. trust as yeah. a premier right. research medical facility. So, so you've created, right. And you and I are the type of people who still have, look at us the way we're dressed. We still believe we still participate in practice the, the work of, of, of um, leaning into um, um, organizational authority. Yes. Like if an organization says a thing, we have trust in that organization. And so like we'll buy into it mm-hmm. because of the uniform, because of the title. But that is breaking down rapidly. For sure. And I even, I mean, before the vaccines came out last summer, I had kind of an argument with my husband because I was like, if these vaccines come out, I don't know if I trust them. I don't know if I'm going to get one like straight off the bat. Right. But if Vanderbilt says these are good vaccines, we trust them. um, 
you know, we are vaccinating our doctors and nurses and everything with these vaccines, that would go a long way towards their so credibility. So that's the thing. That's the thing. Right. If a politician gets up and says, these are the greatest things that ever happened, uh, you can take my word for it. I'm like, I don't know. I know, right? If, <laughs> right. But if physicians, but when you look at the number and and 95% plus of all physicians have been vaccinated and vaccinated their families to the degree that they were able, what are we talking about here? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Betsy, but Betsy, that's my point. Betsy says, all of this will change with age. I seem to spend too much time with my medical, with the medical profession. That's exactly yeah. my point. Uh, because you spend so much time, you've developed relationships. And so when it came time for them to say, get the vaccine, because you were already in a relationship of trust, not only with your specific physicians, but sort of with the medical world at, at large, because you're so involved with them, you are apt to go, all right. I mean, this person told me to get a knee replacement and I did and it helped. And yeah. this person gave me this medicine and it didn't help. So, so that's my point is I think that we, we think senior citizens all got it because what? Because you were the most scared because it was the most, um, but I mean, the only reason for you to be scared is to trust the medical professionals who said that, that your age demographic was the most highly affected, right? So yeah. there's, there's, and, and in the older generation, there is still a sense of institutional trust in institutional authority, which is eroding. Right. And you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing of the people that aren't getting vaccinated. It's, it is younger people. It's that like 35 and under demographic. Right. And I, you know, a lot of people are like, well, it's just because they think they're going to live forever or they don't have any like real, you know, sense of mortality or illness and they think they're healthy. And like that made me I was that person. I was that person because I didn't have a relationship with a physician. I didn't have insurance. Mm -hmm. So this goes to Leslie's point, right? She's living in Canada. She walks into a clinic or an ER with a weird ache. They look at it for free and they'll check on it. And they say, well, of course you go get that checked out. Why wouldn't you Mm -hmm. just go to the clinic? And, and then people will go, oh, well, you know, so now Phil's a a socialist. Um, um, (laughs) uh, And I, and there's people listening. that would be like, oh gosh, maybe he is. That'd be great. Um, I'm not one. It turns (laughs) out, but I am more and more taken by the arguments than I ever used to be. Um, I mean, I think the medical system is a disaster. So I think, and I think um, like the Affordable Care Act actually is like the fix at the time, but it was a fix that more more fully empowered insurance companies and and tied uh, insurance to where you worked. So when someone uh, is, doesn't like their job, but they don't, but they're not going to leave because then they don't have insurance. They don't like your medical care depends on your ability to work or your ability to get it to a certain age and you're just covered. That's in, that's insanity. That's not, that's not like politics. That's, that's just, that's, 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 um, well, it's not Jesus-y. It's not Christian. No. And I, I mean, I'm always a little bit surprised not to get into a whole like insurance discussion, but you, I would think based on how much I know that my church and our churches and our diocese pay for clergy and family health insurance that they, and, and small nonprofits and like groups like that, um, you'd think they would be some of the bigger advocates for something like universal Medicare or, um, a public option or, um, you know, a a move in the direction of like more socialized medicine. You'd think, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, um, 
you know, we're, 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 we're it, culture takes so much time to change. Culture takes time to change. Mm -hmm. You can change a law. You can change all sorts of things. Culture takes time to change. Right. So like um, culture, someone said to me, uh, and this was really helpful for me. And I don't know if I've said this to you before. Uh, culture is inherently conservative. Yes. Right. Because culture only exists. And by the way, not politically conservative, conservative by the definition of the word. Culture is that which lasts a, a lasting behavior that, that is built and cultivated over a period of time by a group of people. Mm -hmm. Culture is something that becomes over time. And, the, and, the, and so like the living into that culture can only exist if there's repeated behaviors that, and values that are held onto over an extended period of time. So I, can, I, could, I, I could change the rules and walk around in a cassock at Redeemer all the time and make everyone call me Father Duvall and have incense burning when they come in. And I could push the altar back up against the, the wall and, 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 and uh, celebrate the Eucharist ad orientum. Um, I could do those things. I'm, I mean, I'm allowed to, I'd probably get fired, but I could do those things. And I could do them within the rights of, as being rector, I could say, I am in charge of the liturgy here and this is what we're going to do. Um, but the culture has been building for over a hundred years. Of a, of, a, of, a, of a low church culture that would say, low to broad, that would say, that's just not who we are. Right. And so you can do those things, but we're not gonna buy in. And if I were, so if, so if I wanted to get this church to become more Anglo-Catholic, friends, don't worry, I don't wanna do that. But if I did want to, it would take, if I was serious about making the culture change that way, that's a 20 year project. Yeah. It's a 20 year project at least. At least, and um, instead, I'm going to focus on on um, on racial justice, healing, and reconciliation, and work towards building a, a more uh, a racially diverse congregation. That's going to take 20 years, and that's and that's what I'm going to spend my 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 a big chunk of my time at this church building towards. And that and I and I don't expect that to happen in, in a year. Like I expect that to be a 20 year project, right? Yeah. So so, um, so 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 I just said that to say healthcare. Mm -hmm. Like people, when you like you can come up with all these ideas about why socialized healthcare or whatever language you want to use around it um, is beneficial, but it's a culture shift because we are part of a culture that believes like you get like, you know, you eat what you kill, you get what you deserve. You got to work to be worth it. You've got like the culture, just that's what the culture believes. And fighting that is, is, um, and anything else is socialism. And socialism is um, about uh, uh, Lenin and Stalin and, uh, you know, Pol Pot and Mao Zedong. And so, or at, or Ikea and Swedish meatballs and Volvo. So, um, so, so those things are all, you know, uh, demonstrably evil. And why would you want to be evil? Didn't you see Rocky five? You know, sorry, Rocky four, um, Rocky four, my bad. So, so like there's, there's this, there's this thing that happens in our heads. Right. And I think, so like, how would we change the culture towards one that is more ready to trust and have a relationship of trust with our medical professionals? What does that even look like? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the concerns for me is that, um, the way this pandemic has unfolded and kind of revealed things um feels like 
a precursor of things to come. Yes. Um, yes. And you wonder why people don't believe in kind of human caused climate change. Like there's just been a whole um, degradation of that, you know, kind of quote unquote expertise or experts or people who are, um, you know, the people in the white coats, the people who have dedicated yeah. their lives to doing these things, yeah. whether they're clergy or doctors or researchers or um politicians or you know i mean and by politicians i almost mean like the lower level people who are yeah. like making sure the roads get paved and right. like um and suddenly it's like oh well these people have been lying to us the whole time and actually the earth is flat right um and that's a real concern and i mean not to say that like nothing should ever be questioned or um, you know, people always have everyone's best interest at heart, but like, I remember getting, um, when I, when I was out on a run a few years ago and I got hit by a car and, um, I remember like them loading me into the ambulance and me thinking like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. That's right. I mean, that's what Leslie <laughs> was just talking about on the side. That's exactly right. Like that should not have been my concern at all at all. in that moment. At all. And I'm somebody who has health insurance. Like I have, you know, resources and I can't imagine if I'd been in a less resource position. I, I mean, like, I can't even, I've never been, I've never been on an ambulance and I'm horrified by the idea of it to sheer, sheer cost. Yeah. I would, I would rather drive myself to the hospital having a heart attack than get in a fucking ambulance. Yeah. Pardon and my, pardon I was my language. Like, I'm so upset. I'm sorry. I'm so upset. I apologize. I could see Vanderbilt hospital from where I was hit by this car yeah. and the ambulance was like, what hospital should I take you to? And I was like, the one that's right there. Where The one that will save my life the quickest. <laughs> and they were like, well, you know, people like have, you know, different insurance and like that yeah. just, that makes me crazy to think that the immediate thing is not like i'm going to take you to the hospital that is closest and best like <laughs> i i had a we had a um we had a man at my old church back in california my last my previous church there was a, a man that i discovered uh, uh was living in the bushes outside of the church he had this really elaborate setup mm -hmm. and we became friends and um um at some point he needed medical intervention and um, he had several issues. He had some double hernias, he had all sorts of problems. Um, and through this organization, I was able to get him into the hospital. He got his surgery and then they were doing everything they could to get him out of the hospital to kick him out yeah. as quickly as possible, as quickly as possible. And I'm like, he's gonna be back out on the street. Like I can't, I don't have a place for him yet. And we were working on housing, but we didn't have it yet. And they were just like, literally like, I was down there being like, don't he, and they finally just, they, they just told him like he had rights, but he didn't know what his rights were. Mm -hmm. And they were just, they were like, they got him out of the hospital at when like you and I would have been in there at least a couple more days. Right. But it's like stuff like that occurs. Cause they're like, he's not gonna be able to pay, get him out. Right. I mean, that's, and I don't know that, I don't know the alternative, right. Because money doesn't like the thing that like, like the thing that the thing that the capitalists are right about in this country is that money doesn't grow on trees and you can't just have, just because you want something or believe you're supposed to have it doesn't mean that the ability to make it just materializes out of nowhere. So there needs to be a clear plan for how those things are paid for. And we need to have an understanding of what that system is. Um, 
and you know, uh, and we need, I don't know, but it's tricky. It, it, I keep going back to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And by the way, I don't buy into the whole, like Jesus didn't check people's, like Jesus heal was a medical worker. Like, no, Jesus wasn't, a, Jesus wasn't a physician. Right. His primary he, purpose wasn't a medical. great physician. Right. He was the great physician because he healed souls. But the idea that Jesus was a practitioner, a medical practitioner who didn't charge people or didn't, that, that that's, that's like, please, please like refrain from that kind of polemicism here. But, but I'm more interested in how Jesus teaches us to treat the people who are on the margins of our society. And I'm more interested in what our, our scriptures and, and how that is lived out in Jesus and in the prophets, what our scriptures tell us about why we even have a society that allows for margins. Why do we allow for people to slip through cracks and be disconnected from care? Right? Mm-hmm. So, right. Chris Tumulty says, Dr. Jesus. Chris, welcome. You missed the trolls if you just showed up. We had people we had to delete. It was very exciting. It was a block and report. Like, and there was a third one. I don't know if you noticed there was a third one I got rid of while you were talking. I did. I saw another name. It's been an exciting. It's been an exciting time for us. (laughs) Right. Right. So, so Leslie says, make the money appear through higher taxes on the rich. We can afford it, and I agree. We can, and it makes sense too. I would. I would love um, if. we began by actually holding people accountable to current tax rates. Mm-hmm. Like, like at the base level, you don't even have to change anything. Right. That's what's funny is I, like, people like we should raise taxes and I'm like, we should make people pay the taxes that they're actually due. Right. So like, like people like billionaires should pay more in taxes than me. That's all. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, that's my, like, that's, that's all I'm trying take. to get at. Yeah. That's kind of my hot take is, <laughs> is 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 like if you were if there was no loophole so so in my prior years i'm going to freak some of you out but in my in my olden days in my younger years um i was really i was well first of all i was a republican and uh i'm i'm no i don't have a party affiliation at this time but i, I was a republican and i was uh, i was i moved towards a sort of a, a you know a libertarian type of republicanism i was in high school when steve forbes ran for president the first time and he had this whole concept of a flat tax which freaked a bunch of people out I'm not proposing it today. So don't hear me proposing a flat tax today. However, his simple idea was you and, and like a family, you know, a person would get this much of a tax credit up to this point, you don't even pay taxes, right? But once you were at this point or above, he was like 17% of your income taxed, period. Like no loopholes for corporations, for anybody. Corporations profit 17% tax. And I know that there's still, there are ways to find loopholes, but the idea was if everyone who could have like up above a certain economic up above a certain income was not able to get out of paying at least 17% of what they were making, then we wouldn't be in the problems that we're in. Then, so again, the flat tax, whatever, like the, 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 don't worry about all that stuff. Like I'm not actually proposing that as a, as a policy, but his primary concern was like, was like, if everyone just actually paid the amount that was due yeah, and wasn't trying to figure out how not to do that, we would not have the issues that we have. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a really fa- because, but that goes back to like it goes back to this COVID thing. Like, um, someone said, like, I feel like this is the worst group project in history. Yeah, right. Like, like a bunch. And of I really like. I away. really resisted that framing because um, I was that person in school, as probably a lot of clergy were, who like did the things that they were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, you know, 
obey, obeyed the rules and um and then kind of watched other people like skate by and yeah. there's a lot of like bitterness implicit in that yes. like framing of yes. like i did my part and you are lazy bums who can't right get your shit together sorry right. i guess we're well, cursing I, on this episode i guess this is a rated r episode of uh as two priests um and and there are like i think especially when we talk about the covid vaccine there there are low hanging fruits that we could get right. And some of those are people who have not gotten the vaccine because they can't take the time off if they have a negative reaction to it and are going to be sick for a couple of days. And, um, and people, right. Right. Wait, 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 like, like, hold on. Like, yes. I want us to say, I want you to like, let's sit with that for a second. (laughs) If I get the the vaccine and I'm not sure what will happen, I might be down and out for a couple of days. My wife was out for two days. Yeah. I was half a day. My wife was out for two days. If I'm out for two days, I don't have six days, sick days, someone might say, and I lose my job. That's a reality in our country. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like even that point is not, you know, clear enough for some people. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's not. Um, and, and I had a pretty mild reaction. I was like a little bit tired. I was able to kind of like mostly do the things that I needed to do that day. But I was also able to kind of like work from home and yeah. stay in my pajamas. Right, <laughs> like, right. Kind of like treat myself a little bit. If I had a, de- a more demanding, physically demanding job, um, I might not have been up for that. Right. You know, right. um, right. so I, I think, and there, there has been in an, in an attempt to normalize that people did have some kind of negative reactions and were kind of knocked out for a couple of days, if you, you know, some people, um, I think a lot of people really talked about how bad the effects were and it may have scared some people yeah. into, um, you know, not wanting to get it or not feeling like, I mean, I think that was some of the Olympians who had not gotten vaccinated. That was like one of their, some of them were like, look, I'm young, I'm healthy. If this vaccine knocks me out of two days of training, like as I'm preparing for the Olympics, like that's not okay. Right. Um, so, and, and while that explanation makes me angry, like it's also very understandable. Really? Um, right. So, that's certainly a reality. And I think, again, those are people that like, well, now that the Olympics are over, you can go and get this shot. Right. Like, right. (laughs) Um, or, or whatever. So that, that reality of that, there is no like federally mandated time away to get the vaccine and deal with the effects of the vaccine. Um, I think is, is a major, to me, that would be a major, like low hanging fruit in terms of getting people that want to get it, but just cannot afford to be knocked out for 24 to 48 hours. And yes. Um, and then you have a culture that doesn't know how to deal with um, acknowledging trauma and acknowledging um, that something ha- that, by the way, acknowledging that we're out of control right so so when so when 911 happens 20 years ago so much of the fear and the anger and the and the what resulted of that on our end of just wrath essentially mm-hmm. came from our inability to believe that something like that could happen to us 
and essentially that we had no power over. And so how do we blame someone or how do we create a conspiracy theory around it? Or how do we go to war and beat up a whole region because something bad happened to us? As opposed to like bad things happen to people and then we want to get into like deserving or anything, just bad things happen to people. Like, right. so, this, so this, so this pandemic comes along and people there's a, there is a natural instinct for a lot of folks to just be like it. First of all, I am guilty of being one of the people who was like very much like, well, it's not going to be as bad as people think it will be. Do you know why I said that Kira? Because I didn't want it to be as bad as people said it would be. Right. Like so I just said just like a naturally optimistic person. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an optimistic person, but I'm also like a person who's just like, nah, I don't want that to be true. So it's not. Could not possibly happen. Which is, it turns out, not reasonable at all. (laughs) Right? Not reasonable, but that's what I did. And so I have been um, one of like, if you were to look at clergy who have been, um, I think we could say that the church here, this Redeemer and and, and, and I as its rector, like the the leadership here um, has been some of the most uh, careful and conservative in the truest sense of the word, um, in terms of making sure we don't create situations where people might get COVID or spread COVID through our church. Mm-hmm. But I've had to be convinced every step of the way by medical professionals, because I'm such a pain in the butt. Who's like, Oh, it couldn't possibly be that bad. And then it keeps being that bad and worse, you know? So, so yeah. there are people who the moment this thing reared its ugly head, have just had a hard time because we live in a culture that minimizes pain and trauma and doesn't want to admit, not just one group of people, the culture. The culture doesn't want to admit weakness. The culture doesn't want to admit frailty. The culture doesn't want to admit that we cannot, we have no power. We can't control what happens in Afghanistan. We can't control what happens in Jerusalem. We can't even control what happens in our own country. We cannot control the spread of this virus. So, but the things, so then when the things that, so, so like when people say the way that you can control the spread of this virus is by altering your life radically, that doesn't fit for our thinking. (laughs) Alter my life radically. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be that. I'll just alter my mentality. Alter your life radically, by the way, or the climate will change to a degree that it will make it uninhabitable for humanity. And you go, that's too big for my brain. And I'm not making fun of anybody because I'm that way. That's the idea of like us as a people creating, ruining the environment to the degree that like we can't live here anymore is such a magna, like, you know, what's the word, macro issue that like, you're like, I can't even conceive of it. So I just, I'm just going to think it's not true. Because for it to be true, we'd have to like change a bunch of stuff and we still might not be able to control it. And that powerlessness is so terrifying that we just keep looking away. Yeah, I think that's when really um, I've felt that kind of being hamstrungness of it all. Yeah. Like even as I did some stuff last week where I was like, okay, I'm gonna like um, buy our electricity company has a whole like thing where you can basically subsidize a solar panel and they credit your you know, electricity use for that solar panel. And I was like, I'm going to buy one of those. Um, I'm going to be better about like remembering my canvas bags when I go shopping. I'm going to like try to eat less meat throughout the week. And like, it's not going to make a difference. No, (laughs) it'll make, no. But it's still things that you might think are appropriate to do. 
Right. But, it, but, it, but when you realize it's not going to actually make a difference unless the whole world does it, then it's, I mean, so Chris is out there in California, blessed Southern California, a desert where everyone wants like grass and irrigation. Mm-hmm. So we just steal water from everywhere else. And so there's droughts all the time and they're getting worse. And, and so the government uh, authorities will be like, hey, uh, you should take fewer showers and they should be shorter and you shouldn't water your lawn and, and right? Mm-hmm. Meantime, they're, 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 they're flooding the San Joaquin Valley, like for almond farming and things like that, mm-hmm. literal acre feet of water that are being used. And they're like, uh, I need you to, um, I need you to take a shorter shower. It's really about you guys. Meanwhile, we have these systemic issues where the water is actually being used, right? And like yeah. telling us not to throw out our food, food waste is bad when like Blessed Kroger, which is right down the street. And I love, I love them, of course. Uh, uh, like the amount of food that they just get rid of because, and you know why? Because they, it doesn't look pretty enough. It doesn't look water. good enough. It doesn't look pretty enough. It's not, right. yeah. I mean, I feel like every time I, I cleaned like, out my produce drawer the other day and there was a really sad looking, you know, half of a cucumber and some slimy cilantro and stuff right. and i was like oh i feel bad that i, I like so didn't. bad and they're like no like you can't eat that now you should feel like oh i guess i should have used it back then but it's gone now yeah but like just, but but they're I, like I, oh someone won't buy this we'll toss it we, we people can't look at an apple that looks like this yeah that that insanity. sense of like not um even if i did everything you know right. that i could within reason I mean, even when the world was like shut down in early COVID times, yeah, um, there's still it still would not have been enough of a drop in CO two to make a difference no, in the no. climate, and it that takes, was really right. a pretty crushing realization for me. Um, but I will say that if if we as people as cities as communities as countries like did do the hard work to like change the way that we live and like make systems that supported those ways like oh no what do you end up with a more walkable community where you get to know your neighbors and you can walk your kids to school without them worrying about getting hit by a two-ton pickup truck right um cleaner air to breathe right uh you know like right oh darn and then you realize, and then you, and then you elect people who see the value in that. I mean, it's again, it's a negative cultural change. You elect people on a local level who get and who who gain power, and then on a state level, and then on a national level, who who see the value in that, and then see the value in creating culture like that. I mean, that's what that's what we get back to, like the culture change thing, right? It's um, and I used to like, I don't know, I just like my Christianity is informing my sense of. Uh, civic duty in a way that it didn't used to yeah for that reason right um i, I want to go back to something leslie said here when she was talking about like hey she's like i don't mind spending more in taxes than my friends i make more than them mm-hmm. right and then she said i'm not a communist i just want my friends to be able to be cared for as well as it's possible if everyone does their part i think that's the thing i keep coming back to is i want everyone the idea that you deserve better treatment because you have more money and I'll say here without apology, that's utter bullshit. That's, that's unchristian garbage. 
-hmm. It's not, it's anti-Christ to say that if you have more wealth, you have more income, you have more money, however you get it, therefore you are entitled to better things when it comes to basic living. That's not acceptable. And we shouldn't think it's acceptable. And we are morally bankrupt if we think that people who have more money deserve more and are better. Anyways. Yeah, man, it was a real, so my first, uh, the first summer that I did a CPE residency, I worked with uh, a hospice here and I was on what's called their long-term care facility team. So I was going to a variety of nursing homes and long-term care facilities like that. And let me tell you, it was a really eye-opening experience because I had patients that were at the city-owned facility and I had patients at facilities in like the ritziest area of towns. Right. And the difference between the beauty, the, I mean, just the aesthetics, um, the care, yeah. uh, the food, you know, I mean, was the, the kind of engagement and entertainment and um, was, was very jarring. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what are we, what are we doing? Right. Right. I, if I had everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people in this country believe that like faith communities are important, right? That faith communities are important and that, um, and that, uh, uh, leaders, there need to be people who lead those communities that clergy matter in the world as long as, so long as we are good folks and aren't ruining things. But like, I could take my same set of skills and go do something else and just make much more money. Mm -hmm. And okay, I didn't, I chose this, but like, and that's fine. I don't need to make more money, but like we live in a culture where if you make more money, you deserve better things. So that's like, so essentially we're saying these people are, I mean, we're saying they're better. Our culture says that people with more money are better than people with less money. Yeah. What it says, like, it's how we experience life. To enjoy the best things there are, you shouldn't, you only just can enjoy them if you, if you are wealthy. And, and, and the idea that people who aren't wealthy should experience or have the opportunity to experience the same things as people who are wealthy is, is offensive to our country. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know how we, and again, I just don't know how we square that with Jesus. Right. I mean, I'd even go so far as to say like our, our country, our culture views that wealth as a blessing. Yes. Right. Which means of course, poverty is a curse. Mm -hmm. Is that any different from first century? Chris, Chris wants to know if that's any different than the first century. No, I think it's human nature to some degree personally, but I don't know what you yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, I think that's where, especially some of the, um, some of the biblical texts really like ring very true still like, right. um, gosh, is it, I'm gonna, is it James where they are sitting in, um, you know, they're treating the rich people and yeah. paying attention to them and and, all and, 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 uh, and, and, the and, seats and, and, and in first Corinthians and in first Corinthians, the rich people are eating before they get to the common meal because yeah. they don't want to, they don't want to eat the same food as everybody else. 
Yeah. But they're part of this community that they say is the beloved community. Yeah. It's a first century Christianity. They're like, they are, they are because, because those class distinctions existed. Yeah. There's always an assumption that there are some people who deserve more and are better than others. This is what the prophets are fighting against. Right. This is why, you know, this is why Amos is famous for among, among people who are, who are paying attention to justice for, for saying like, I abhor all of your festivals and your sacrifices and your, and, and your rituals, but let justice rain down. Right. Like, you know, let it, let it come down like, like righteous streams and rivers, whatever, whatever the line is. But like that idea of like, if you're interested in glorifying God, what if you treated everyone as if God loved them? Right. And that they were just as uh, uh, belonging in the community as you. What if you acted like that were true? Yeah. And I would love to see um, people of, of means realize that there is some grace involved in that, like that, you know, just as a lot of people did not do anything to deserve what they got, you know, either poor or rich. Yeah. So in some sense, it's just chance. It's just the happy accident of being born to a certain family or in a certain place or at a certain time. Yeah. Um, you know, my, um, my husband's parents, he, my, my father-in-law, uh, is a former professor at Stanford and they bought a house in Palo Alto in the 1970s. And that house is worth an awful lot of money right now. A lot more than it was in the 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's just a happy accident. Like that's yeah. just, how, you know, right. they didn't do anything None. to deserve their house being None. worth that much now. Right. Like, but somehow we think that they did. Right. Somehow we think that they did. Um, we got to go in a minute here. Uh, Leslie and Chris, we started off with trolls and we spent a bunch of time trying to figure out how to delete them. And then I accidentally said the F word and then Kira uh, helped out a little bit um, with language. So I guess I'm like, and then we didn't talk about vaccines as much as we thought we were going to still. <laughs> there are parts of this conversation. I really enjoyed this. So here's my thing that I'm about to ask you, but you guys that are still here, I'm really enjoyed this conversation. Do we save this episode or do we need to delete it? Like, was there too much craziness here (laughs) or is this an episode like this could just disappear and then we just had it and it was nice. Or do we keep this one for posterity? I don't have an answer. You are welcome to answer that on the chat while we're, uh, while we're asking each other our closing question, which of course is Kira, what have you been listening to lately? So I'm going to make you really happy with this answer. I, I believe you. I've been listening to a lot of Gillian Welch. You, I, yeah, yes, I couldn't be happier. That is correct. <laughs> that you are only a thousand percent correct. That, that would be. And, and like, it's, you know, it's stuff that like I occasionally have listened to, but I haven't really done like, um, like a deep listening to a lot yes. of it until yes. like kind of this past week. Yes. And then I was like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I was that way with her. This. I was, I was that way for her with her for years. I liked it. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I would, I knew that it was like, I was supposed to like it or something, but I just hadn't kind of penetrated through this sort of like veil that through which they play. I don't know how else to describe it. There's like a, there's something between them and the world. And I hadn't like gotten through that thing. Yeah. And then one day I found my, and one day I found myself on the other side of it and was like, oh, Oh, come on in. The water is fine. Yeah, I think that's exactly that's exactly it. Like there was like, oh, okay, this is like 
in the genre of things that I kind of like. Right, sort of right, right. Folksy, yeah. um, Beautiful female singer, singer-songwriter. Right, yeah. Lives in and East Nashville, lives and works in East Nashville. I keep pointing out to Kira. Like, you you um, have to run into her at some point. Anyways. And, and then, yeah, this week, or this past week, the past couple weeks, actually, yeah, that kind of, like, deeper appreciation of what's going on there. If you if you don't have an answer to this, it's totally okay. Is there a specific album or song that you were that helped sort of break that open for you? Uh, you know, I mean, everyone was kind of talking about like, oh, it's the 20th anniversary of Revelator. Revelator. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and actually, for me, it was more. Oh God, now I'm gonna not be able to find it. The, uh, the Harrow and the Harvest, which is my one of my top five favorite albums of all time. For me, it was Harrow yes. and the Harvest. Yes, yes, it, y- yes. <laughs> Harrow and the Harvest is a an actually perfect album for me. It is it is so deeply entrenched in my. There was a period of time a couple years ago, uh, or no, for like there was like a four year period where I listened to that album once a day, not on purpose either, not like it's my time. It was yeah. just in my CD player and I never took it out. And so I kept driving and it was like, well, I guess I'm listening to this again. Yes. Back when this is the, your five or eight CD player. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh man. So uh, that album came out. We were actually about to see them live in concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little, it was right after it was the summer. It was the uh, in 2011. So it was, that album was 10 years old. And it came out the summer of 2011. We had just had our, our first child in January of 2011. And we were on a, it was my first kind of like vacation. And we were on a road trip with Krista's parents. We went up to the High Sierras. We went around in Northern California. And there was a music festival called the High Sierra Music Festival. And mm-hmm. Gillian Welch was playing. And a couple other bands. Nico Case was there. Oh, Delta, wow. Delta Spirit was there. It was, and a lot of hippie stuff was going on. It was very, it wasn't my my scene, but a lot of the music I really dug. Nico Case was fantastic. Delta Spirit was a blast. So, but Gillian Welch was playing and the album had come out that week. So I had like heard it, but I was like, okay, this is a good album. Like I hadn't really like, it hadn't really sunk in yet. Mm-hmm. And then she gets up and they're doing some songs from the, and she, and she, this song starts with just her and banjo. Yes. Then as the second verse creeps in, her partner, David, comes in with the guitar and it's a song called Hard Times. And I sat there and like, I was arrested, right? And to this day, that song, that's the song that like crystallizes everything for me. Like, Mm. it's like the sort of like, for me, like the Rosetta Stone of her, like you can, like you get in there and then you're like, oh, got it. I get what you're about. Like, I understand what you're about. (laughs) Um, but that album is great. It had just come out and they said um, there's 10 songs on it. And um, she said some somebody somebody wrote that's, uh, that it's just 10 different versions of being sad. Um, <laughs> and uh, someone called her. She said someone called our music acoustic slow core. Um, so they're very self-effacing, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, but also but, like um, 10 different ways of being sad is just like my Thursday. Like, hi. <laughs> Hello, four. Yes, you and me both. Like, oh, you've made a whole album of Americana that's centered on being melancholy. Tell me more. Yes, just like Tell injected into my veins. So, so much. Well, I don't need to talk about anything I've listened to today. And we've talked too long. We talked about Gillian Welch, and that makes me so happy. 
Good. So I did listen to Prince this morning, but I'm going to go listen to Gillian Welch for the rest of my life because of you. So uh, our friends, Leslie, Betsy, and Chris have said, keep the episode. Uh, Chris, who's a communications person who works for a bishop said, maybe if you need to clip certain things, let's be honest, that's not going to happen. We just yeah. are who we are. Just we just are who we are. Utter chaos. I also have another question for the group, uh, but we can talk about that later. Uh, Kira is not going to be with us next week. So I will let you all know very soon if we're going to carry on with a guest host or if we're going to take a week off. I have some ideas for a guest host, but I need to talk with my partner about that first and we'll see what happens. So uh, we'll either see you next week. I will either see you next week and Kira will see you in two weeks or yeah. we'll both see you in two weeks. I'll have to let you, you'll, you'll find out very soon. Okay. <laughs> Kira, any, right. any words of parting wisdom and, and love? Uh, no, it is great to be with y'all this morning. And I am Kira and you are Phil. And this is, are you there, God? It's Kira and Phil. <laughs>